Welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. This podcast started with me just kind of interviewing my friends, and now we're at a point where I'm interviewing people who inspire me. Every week you are going to hear how someone else identifies with the feeling of not fitting in and success. So let's just hop into the episode and thank you for all of your continued support. Hey weirdos, I want to share something with you I've been doing for a couple of months now. It is called Forbidden Bingo with my friend, DJ Rockstar Aaron. We are both from Denver. Uh, Great human. Something that they put on virtually out of the kindness of their heart every week. And I'm just going to start by saying it's 18 plus, just so you know. Um, but it's Forbidden Bingo. Forbidden Bingo is so much fun. You can play it in person if you live in Colorado or if it plays other places, or you can play it virtually online every Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific. Wow, I'm bad at time zones. But you know what? Just go to ForbiddenBingo.com, grab your tickets, and tell DJ Rockstar Aaron and Rich and all the other people that are playing that I sent you. That's ForbiddenBingo.com and unofficially, officially sponsors this podcast. Hey listeners, this week's episode features Anthony Jennett, a Australian comedian who lives in London. It's an all-around hilarious episode. I'm very excited to share it. This is, of course, part of the Collab Camp series. I've gotten a lot of great feedback about clearing out my backlog in lieu of giving creators the space to shine. Uh, I also released a special episode on Friday. If you haven't gotten a chance to listen to that with Tamsin, please do. Hey, Disney, please hire me. Anywho, this is Please Don't Kick Me Out. Once again, the inclusive podcast about imposter syndrome. And I hope you guys have a great day. And thank you so much for listening. And I love your continued support. Hey, how's it going? Hey, well, thanks. Thanks for having me. I love that you panicked for a second. I was like, oh no, am I going to have to clip this? (laughs) Well, welcome, welcome, welcome to my listeners. Of course, you've been here for a while. And if not, welcome. Uh, This is, of course, Please Don't Kick Me Out, the podcast about imposter syndrome. And the lovely voice you're hearing on the other end is Anthony. Anthony, let's just hop into it. What's your elevator pitch? Who are you? What do you do, et cetera? So, I am a comedian. I live in London now, originally from Australia, so I've done a lot of shows around the world. And also, since uh, getting on stage has become illegal, I now host a podcast. And I I think whether I'm on stage or podcasting, I try and just keep things curious and light and, like, I guess, try and find the fun in whatever I'm talking about. Yes, yes. Um, and I, right before uh, recording, I was listening to some of your, some of your bits and um, I, you are very, very funny, um, of course. Thanks. And uh, obviously you wouldn't be touring if you weren't, but, uh, but of course that'll, you know, bring in imposter syndrome, which I feel like it's nice to, to know that even comedians who have to be funny, like will feel that as well. So I'm glad that you reached out to me um, and I'm excited to get to know you and, you know, obviously my listeners get to know you. So um, yeah, uh, we'll just, you know, hop on into it. We'll start, you know, with a question that's not even on the document, but how did you get into comedy and uh, like, you know, kind of what, what's that career path look like? It's so interesting. I've been t- I've been thinking about this so much more because, as we'll get into later, like th- there is a weird incongruity between 
my mental health journey and the fact that I, I was doing comedy a long time before I got diagnosed. Um, but I think that what started me out in comedy initially is that like I grew up in a kind of really low socioeconomic part of Melbourne where uh, in Australia where I, where I was born. And I was academically, like I found it easy, but I wasn't particularly hardworking. And what that meant was I was understimulated in classrooms. And so I tried to entertain myself by making the other students laugh. Um, I'm sure teachers would call that the class clown, but I, I, it was never that I wasn't paying attention in school. It was just, I didn't find it challenging at the time. Um, and then, so I guess I'd learned to kind of be funny to entertain myself. And so I loved comedy. I'd go and watch shows and I never thought about doing comedy. I, it would have petrified me if anybody asked if I wanted to. And then I saw somebody um, who I was like, oh, you know, they, they're saying things like me, maybe I could do it. And so I started going to all these gigs, like how do I do this and trying to like academize it and figure it out. And it wasn't until I saw somebody who was so bad that I was like, oh, well, if they get to do it, surely I can. Like most people, it's the exact opposite. When they see somebody so good, they're like, I need to do that. I, I, was the, I saw somebody so bad. I was like, that gives me permission because even if I'm as bad as I can be, I won't be the worst in the world. Oh, I love that. I love that. So um, I have done, I've done one stand-up comedy set ever in my lifetime at an open mic and the guy that opened and it was his comedy thing. Uh, it was like, you know, a coffee shop or a bar or something like where like no one was paying attention. And it didn't really matter. Uh, none of my jokes landed. They were funny, but like none of them landed. And I was like, okay, well I did that. I'm never doing it again. But this guy had, was so awful that it made <laughs> me feel better. Cause I was like, at least I didn't make a joke that about like gender nar narratives, like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. And, and this was like yeah. 10 years ago before, like we were even, even like, um, you know, canceling people for saying stupid stuff. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I hope that guy's okay. I, he asked me, he was like, do you have any critiques? He was like, you're really funny. Cause people were laughing cause they're my, they're my friends and also they know me and my jokes were like about my name being rather strippery-ish and like my yeah. parents naming me that and like thank thankful for my college education because like I didn't go to the poll you know that kind of like, yeah. I, like I was making fun of myself but like really like honestly the jokes were terrible I think I'm situationally funny I think that I'm comedic in writing uh and I think that I can be witty on the spot but I, the thought of going on stage and doing it again terrifies me. So um, good on you. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I think like that's, that's awesome. And so I know a lot of my listeners, um, some of them really want to get into, want to get, want to get into comedy. And it's nice to know like that really, well, I mean, in general, if you, if you know anything about comedy, you know, the barrier to entry is an open mic. And then if you're yeah. good, they'll start booking you. And then if you're, you know, they'll keep booking you. And eventually you'll um, either, either you'll get sick of it and start working at a Chili's or, or you get big. <laughs> One or <Yeah>. the other. <laughs> yeah. Or there's this middle ground in between where you do like bunches of gigs on the road for like pretty much minimum wage, but you can pay the bills, but it's an absolute punish. Um, that, that exists as an option, or at least here in the UK. Mm -hmm. So you, did you get trapped in the UK or did you have to like move to the UK for more business? Uh, I, I moved, I moved consciously as a, I think 
Australia is a beautiful place. It's where I will move eventually. But it is small, and it is small in terms of, particularly because we've got two, I mean, small in terms of population. And so we've got two major cities with like 5 million people in them each, but you can't tour two cities and make a living, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens in Australian comedy is you've got like maybe 10 people who make a good living for a, a lifetime. Then you've got a bunch of people who like, you know, make enough that they, through writing and other bits and pieces, and then you have this other massive layer of people who, you know, in other countries with bigger markets have um, kind of the chops, but just there's not enough audience in a marketable way that, so yeah, you, you tend to, to move overseas to find, find your audience. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny that you say Australia is small because Australia seems massive to me, but when you think about it, uh, only a little bit of it is inhabitable. <laughs> so, yeah. So you're like, uh, most of it's desert. <laughs> it's, it's geographically giant and absolutely empty. It's a weird place. Yeah, but like, didn't you guys like figure out COVID? Like you in New Zealand, you like, you like solved it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it has been so tough this winter, right? Because obviously London has been in pure hard lockdown. Like you shouldn't yes. even be leaving your house unless you're going to the shop and that is like in force so with with my wife and I have been in in the flat getting delivery um groceries for the last three months and back home it is and here it's winter so it's like between zero and five degrees and you get two hours daylight and back home it is summer it is 30 and they're at music festivals and that seems like a personal attack oh my god yeah like I have a friend and she's a, my friend Nicole, she's a, a nanny um, or an au pair or something. I don't, I don't really know. I don't know what you do, Nicole, but anyway, you, she's in Australia. Um, the family that she, that she uh, does the stuff for, she's, she, I think she's, I think she's literally in Brisbane, honestly, I think she is. Uh, but, and, but so she's, she's out and about, and she's in like, she's like in a basketball league and in a choir performance and like living her life. And like, she sent me a, a, a like a viewing party of the UK uh, drag race. And I'm just like, man, fuck you. You're rubbing it in my face because I live in California. Okay. And um, we're miserable. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, things are starting to open up a little bit, but not really. And um, uh, we're pushing vaccines and um, you know, just cause you're, I'm half vaccinated. I have my second dose next week shitty timing for, for watching, for getting my house ready to move to Hawaii. I had, I also have showings <laughs> that day. So uh, hopefully I don't die. Cause I heard that second, the second um, dose is worse than the first. My friend texted me and she was like, oh my God, like make sure you're around people. And I was like, you sound like you have like a baby flu. Like you're annoying, like, but, yeah. uh, but I, I'll, I'll get through it. I'll Pedialyte my way. I'll, I'll make sure I'm fine. Um, Cause this house needs to get rented, but I, that's like neither here nor there. But the, the point is, is that People, I just, we also went into lockdown, um, but our infection rate went from 99% to 20%, and it's all based on vaccination. Oh, so, wow. so, you know, once you have the vaccination, it's 14 days for the antibody period, and then you are not safe to go gallivant and play around, but <clears throat> you're less likely to die from it because you now have the antibodies, and you're also, they don't, there's, a, there's not really studies on whether or not you can pass it. But, you know, we, we should always be conscious of our immunocompromised population and always be careful with where we go and also don't post it to social media because you will get canceled. So anyway, 
Uh, yeah, I was like to go back to that point is just Australia. Could you please, for the love of God, stop rubbing your music festivals and your happiness absolutely. in our face? Yeah, absolutely. At least have the decency to turn it to like close friends only mode, and then make your close friends geographically close. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't, don't eat me on your close friends. Places. I don't want to see it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 but uh, is your family back there? Are they doing okay? Yeah, obviously they're, they're fine. They're, they don't have COVID. <laughs> COVID's gone. They're, they they're, yeah, they've been there the whole time, and they are having a great time. They continually ask me, "Hey, why aren't you coming back? It's great here." And I can continually say, "The reason it's great here is because you won't let people like me back in." <laughs> oh yeah, they won't let you, you won't let you in with the germs. What are, what is this? What is okay? Just I don't know what. Uh, what is there are they making you guys corn like if you fly in or are their borders shut like they're like no one can go anywhere so they have like maximum um arrivals per day which essentially means you have to buy first class otherwise you don't get there because there's you know there, there's I, last time i checked which was like a month ago so eight months into the pandemic there was still something like thirty thousand people stranded trying to get back to australia because it's quite literally a hundred people a day that they're taking um, or, or something like that. So you almost have to buy a first class ticket. What happens is people buy the only ticket available in economy three months in advance. And then between then and there, somebody else who got bumped off their flight will buy a first class ticket and that'll bump the next person off oh, and the chain wow. reaction happens, right? So you're looking at sort of, uh, I can't do the USD conversions, but 5,000-ish uh, pounds British to get there one way um and so that that's the first thing mm -hmm. and then once you get there you go into mandatory hotel quarantine so they take you straight from the airport into a hotel that is purely for quarantine and then you have to pay for the bill for that yourself oh so um australia i i gotta be honest i don't think you deserve the vaccine that sounds a little shitty i mean it's the <laughs> It's needs must, right? That's how they get to have music festivals. Yeah. It's a it's a tricky one. Uh, um yeah. I, I think it it is um yeah, I mean to be honest, it is it is a hard one. I mean, I'm lucky in that my job has been secure. My wife, who is also Australian, her job's been secure. So we have been okay. But early on in the pandemic, when things were a lot more confusing, there was huge uncertainty around mm -hmm. like what happens if we lose our jobs and because visas, we don't qualify yeah. for any assistance over here and the cost to get home is astronomical? Like, what would we actually do was a, a genuine, like... Yeah. It's like, you know, it's one of my weird irrational fears. It will probably come up around. It's like, in my head, whenever I catastrophize anything, it always results in me ending up homeless for some reason. And this is a real... <laughs> This was a real case where it was like, actually, this isn't be. as crazy as all the other times you thought you'd end up homeless. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad, you know, it's good to hear that your jobs are secure. My husband's in the military. And so that's very hard to get fired from. I got laid off at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and uh, I just that we just came up on a year of that happening. And I started this mm -hmm. podcast where I low key talk shade about my old boss every week. <laughs> And, uh, and now I get paid to do it. It's pretty great. But, um, but no, I agree with you with the scenario of imagining you're homeless, especially before I had the military backing of my husband, yeah. my partner having a job that can't go away. Um, <laughs> I, I would, 
you know, I, I would be dating or single. And then I'd be like, I hate this job, but I have to like clock in anyway, because it's otherwise I have to live with my parents, which is worse than being homeless. (laughs) So, um, if I had not met my husband, I really don't know. I I bet you I'd be living with Sandy and Jer Bear in Longmont, Colorado, contemplating jumping off the, 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 the second story of their house because it would just be that miserable. I mean, don't get me wrong, mom and just, dad, I love you guys, but you don't, you, you told me my podcast is not interesting to you. So you won't ever listen to it. Uh, so I know you're not listening. So um, fuck you. Anyway. Also the second floor, that is grim, right? Cause you, you legitimately have to do that thing of going, is this actually enough or is this just gonna be <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> a major painful inconvenience? Uh, yeah, and I will say right before we switch gears, um, that is very dark and to, it's not funny to joke about <laughs> suicide. I'm sorry, but. But uh, I'm sorry to my listeners. I know you'll probably tell me in my comments, like that wasn't very nice. But, and also you'll say, be nice to your parents. I am very nice to my parents. They're friends, not parents, because I'm married and I'm in my thirties. Anyway, so uh, just, uh, I'm glad you guys are, you know, secure in your jobs and stuff. Um, I'm glad to have you on the podcast. I'm excited to get to know um, what imposter syndrome means to you. So we'll start with the first question at hand, which is, do you feel like you have it all figured out? It's a great question, right? Because it's it's one of those moments where I think I'm in a place of, I, I think my whole life has been a case of like chaos stability, chaos stability, almost like a jigsaw puzzle where like, or Rubik's cube where like you put all the pieces roughly close enough and you go, yeah, they're fine now. And then you just throw everything and see where it lands and start all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say right now it's like ish, like I've, I've, got a lot of things in my life that I've been working on that feel good they're progressing I mean obviously the macro situation is ridiculous but also one of the weird things about having struggled with mental health for a long time is that it was actually weirdly comforting in some ways to see other people like pulled into my zone you know what I mean everybody started stressing about everything and trying to fit, like overanalyze everything and, and you know they're coming and talking to me about it and I'm like hey this, this is what I feel like you know day to day so um yeah weirdly now I feel in a good place mm-hmm. I am old enough and I've done this enough times that I know that that is probably temporary yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always have the saying that if like someone came on here and they're like, yep, I've got it all figured out. I'd be like, um, uh, are you in the right zoom? Are you on the right podcast? Because this podcast is about sad sacking yourself until so, so that everyone else feels normal because you're, you know, shit talking yourself and then yeah. it normalizes it. Um, but no, um, I, I agree with you. Like I'm at a point where I'm like, I don't have it figured out, but I'm just kind of meandering. And that's, I think life, like, you, if you are not striving for something, if you're not changing, then you're not, you're not like, you're not doing life right. And I also feel like in the pandemic, like I've seen the highest of highs and the lowest of lows of people. I've seen, especially living in the United States where, um, you know, we literally looked like, I always refer to, to, to the United States as, um, like we're very embarrassing. Like I, when I travel outside of the country, I'm always trying to like not look like a tourist, but I refer to the United States as socks and sandals. Like actually no, more like Crocs and, and, and socks, Crocs and socks or like a cargo <laughs> short. Like we're, we're embarrassing. And um, you know, the rest of the world looks at us and is like, what is going on over there? <laughs> because we're 50 states all governed differently. Um, and yeah. so I, I just feel like there's a lot of cancel culture here right now. There's a lot of stuff going on. That's like totally not 
not correct, not good. Um, but but for the most part, we we all breathed a collective sigh of relief when Joe Biden went into office. So because I mean, like I'm the rest of the world saw we had an insurrection. I've never in my wild, my husband's deployed. I never in my wildest dreams would would thought I would see a bunch of redneck losers, proud boys storming the Capitol and stealing a fucking podium. Like if you had told me that that was gonna happen in like in 2021, like did I have that on my pandemic bingo card? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I've, I've said this before and, and it could be a controversial statement okay. on this podcast, but uh, the weird thing, watch, not the weird thing watching that, but in the weeks after dissecting how I felt about watching that, one of the really weird things is like, I've spent a large, bunch of my life, you know, protesting for different causes, um, really believing in different causes that, that had really strong anti-governmental like um, positions. Environmentally in particular, I felt for the longest time that because climate change is such a big issue and is so important rightfully to so many people, that at some point you're going to get eco-terrorists and I, I don't want to be one of those people and I don't agree with them. But I can see how that is an inevitability of having such an important thing taken yeah. so do you know what I mean it's I know not, where it, you're going it, with this it, it, it should have <laughs> and, and, and the fact that I've watched that for years and nothing like we, we, we do hard work we get out on the streets we get arrested and we all go back home but nothing and then these people have their hero lose a legitimate uh, election and then they've got the gumption and the get up and go to fucking storm capital I've watched that and I was like Oh man, if we had half of your like, no, if, if you had, right? if you had the no, it's it. Well, it would be like the parliament, yeah. So you, so if like I want the confidence of an alt right QAnon yeah. person, because oh my goodness, was that like yeah. was that was that the most confident thing I've ever seen in my entire life? And the whole time I was terrified. I mean, like to, watching it, I was in shock. I was like, ooh, I'm going to order. I ordered myself a, a bottle of delivery champagne because I was laughing so hard about it. And I ordered myself takeout and I just sat there and I watched the TV for hours. And then I was really bummed out that nothing else crazy happened. But uh, regardless, um, uh, you know, I think like for people who are normal and don't have that confidence to storm the Capitol, uh, as well as the rest of the world, I think we all kind of breathe outside of um of relief, collective relief. Yeah. I was about to say selective and that was not correct. So, um, but anyway, my husband's deployed. So I took a video of it and I'm like, I know this is gonna like, the, your internet's shit, you're in the middle of the ocean somewhere, but I sent you a video and I was like, just sit there in the computer and like wait to download it. And he did. And he was like, oh my God. And then he like ran into the wardroom, like where they have like a little JO lounge, like a junior officer lounge. And he and he watched it with, and they all sat there just like dumbfounded. And they were like, what in the hell? And they were scared. They were like, is he going to pull a trigger? And like, are we going to war? Like, are we, we this, we're just sitting here right now doing nothing. Are we legitimately going to war? Um, and then thankfully the, at the inauguration, um, you know, tensions have, have, have risen, but the issue I have with it, not to, I, I don't normally, I mean, I guess, I guess my listeners know I kind of can get into politics, but my, my biggest issue is that like, they all are going underground. So all of this like bigotry and racism and stupidity, it's all going back underground, but now the COVID vaccine, QAnon saying that it's a microchip. So, ah. so yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, that's my favorite thing in the world, right? Is these fucking 
dumb, dumb people going, don't get the vaccine. It's a microchip. And they're posting this on Facebook where like there is decades old information of Facebook sharing their information with the NSA and shit like that. Like they don't need a microchip. You tell them everything you're doing minute by minute. <laughs> oh yeah. No, that's the funniest part. It's like, okay, but you're like, and then they like went to par- parlor <laughs> and I was like, just yeah. stay there. Just stay there. You stay there. Um, yeah, because yeah. it's one of those things, right? I, I, I realize this is not this podcast, but also <laughs> yeah. one of those things, people are like, oh, but they'll go underground and it'll fester and blah, blah, blah. Good. Like the more underground it is, the harder it is for them to convince other people of their batshit crazy thing. Disappear yeah. into parlor, disappear into 4chan, disappear into like back rooms and leave the rest of us alone. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a theory. Um, I think I think that we if, if we all just, if we just spent, if we just sent all the stupid people in, in the United States, we just sent them all to the moon and let them live yeah. and figure it out. Like send them out of here. We don't need them. Um, but I agree with you. Yeah. So to, to talking about getting, having it all figured out in terms of to go back to my original point, of course, which was that, you know, in the pandemic, we've seen the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, obviously. And um, I, I feel like if people didn't take this time creatively, and sat there and were negative about it. One, they're not in my circle anymore. I don't want to be friends with that kind of person. And and two, I, I feel like you have to like take this time to do and do and create and be and do and learn about yourself. And I mean, I got into therapy. I learned I had adult ADHD, which made my life make total sense. And um, like a lot of good things happened. Like I, I we got a puppy after losing a, our dog. Um, he couldn't hang in the pandemic. It didn't work for him. We had a puppy. My husband, I got, had time with my husband. I wouldn't have otherwise had. And it's like, I could look at losing my job as a bad thing, but it, and it really wasn't because I am free and I am happy and I'm grateful and I'm glad. So, um, so yeah, I think like if people don't look at it, the world like that right now, where it's like, okay, it sucks, but like it sucks and everyone's in the suck. So like, how do we make it? what suck less <laughs> oh a hundred a hundred percent and and you know i think it is it is one of those weird things emotionally at the moment as well is that like actually you know personally in terms of where things are figuring out and falling for people i can't be ignorant to the fact that like my circumstances have been pretty good you know but then also it's been the most challenging year of my life for obvious reasons. And balancing the macro and the micro is mm-hmm. really confusing. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. But um, I love to ask this following question because I mean, it, this is what the, po- the podcast is about. And basically, you know, the, like feeling like you have it all figured out, like you walk into a room and you're like, oh, okay, like, well, everyone else here is smarter than me, whatever. Like, that's kind of why f- figuring it out, success and imposter syndrome, like are all deeply connected and integrated because really at the end of the day, it's all self-esteem based on keeping up with the Joneses around us as a societal thing. Um, that's what I found from the last year. So I love to ask how people interpret imposter syndrome. So do you feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome in what ways and what does imposter syndrome mean to you so this is yeah this is i guess the crux of why i when i was listening to your podcast was like i i i I have a story for you and that is um so i think for me it was crazy how long i didn't realize this was a thing for me and that i just thought the way I dealt with it was normal and fine. And what happened was, and, and to be fair, there is like a sliding doors version of my life 
where I never find out and there is so much negativity in my life that I attribute to fact as opposed to mental health, right? What actually happened was I quit six jobs in five months. It was the first six jobs I'd got out of uni. Um, and Because what would happen is I'd start the job and I'd start to feel this overwhelming sense that I wasn't good enough and didn't know how to do it, which is fine at any job, just learning the actual admin processes systems takes you like a month before you can even think about learning to do your job, let alone your first job as a junior. You're supposed to kind of suck and they're supposed to give you feedback and that's how you get better and that's why they pay you nothing at the start, right? Um, but what I would do is I'd start the job and then I'd be like, oh no, this is no good. They're going to fire me. And so then I'd just apply for the next job. And it happened so regularly that I would just take jobs that I'd applied for two jobs ago um, because I the, the applications were still being processed as I was going into the next sort of thing. So yeah, I, I quit six jobs in five months. Um, and I, I had originally in uni studied uh, psychology. I was having coffee with a friend and I, I was kind of talking to him about it. And he, he was the first person, as I was talking to friends and family and you know all of them were like, oh, you're having a bit of bad luck. Nobody said, this is weird, you need to look at that. Eventually he was like, dude, you should talk to a therapist, this is not right. And that's when I was diagnosed with social anxiety. Um, and so all of a sudden, it didn't make sense to me at first because I was like, dude, I, I do stand up comedy. I've, I've always been publicly outgoing. I've always been a loud, talkative, extroverted person. But then also all of a sudden, all of this negative talk that was in my head, all of this like, you're not good enough, you can't do it, like, the, the, you know, all of this waiting to find out that everybody else could see that you were a fraud, that wasn't something that was based on fact and valid, all of a sudden it was something that was, you know, a mental health issue and something that I needed to then check whether those thoughts had any validity, and that was, like, absolutely life-changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can relate a lot um, because I think a lot of my career was, uh, I'm a millennial. I was born in 1989. Um, and so that makes me a millennial. Great. Sorry, boomers. Uh, but uh, I, when I was in college, like just like you with internships and having to kind of do that unpaid stuff, I graduated at a weird time and thought I wanted to do something. Like there's, I, I walked away from things I wanted to do because I thought that I wouldn't be good at them or I thought I wasn't good enough at them. So like I left arts, I left my art major and I switched to journalism because that was easier because I didn't want to, like I was scared to just be myself. And then that kind of carried into my career. And um, also, you know, there's like nothing prepares you for the work world and, yeah. or corporate, like they, there's no class that teaches you anything uh, that can prepare you, even though you're studying this, this stuff. And in, in the grand scheme of things, you're paying for a sheet of paper and you're not really using it. Yeah. Like you kind of learn as you go and like the bad, like the, the piece of paper that you earn through university, like that, that might get you where you need to go. It'll, it'll get your foot in the door, but like, not like all this useless knowledge and crap that you cram for hours to learn really isn't what 
your day-to-day job is going to be. So, um, so like I had an internship at an advertising agency or, and then I had another internship at an advertising agency and that turned into a job. And then I just kind of job hopped because it was like, it would get tough and I'd get terrified that I was going to be let go or it wasn't going to, you know, they're going to find out that I was shitty at my job. And it wasn't until, um, basically, uh, I was here uh, in San Diego and I was a marketing director and I earned that job and that title that I was like, well, this seems like it's weird. Like I, I, I shouldn't constantly be worried that I'm getting fired. Like I've earned this. Like I've, I've been here 10 years. Like I've earned this. I know what I'm talking about. Like, this is ridiculous. So I tried actively to combat it, but in the back of my brain, I was always like, my boss is going to come in here. He's going to let me go. And then one day it happened, but it was because of the pandemic and Martin yeah. was the first to go. <laughs> But, yeah. one, and, and, but I didn't die, you know? And, and so something that I've learned over time is like, if you walk yourself through like the worst case scenario, um, it can kind of help you because like 99% of the time, it's not going to be the worst case scenario. And maybe I have social anxiety because I'm always, I'm, I love people. I'm very outgoing, similar to you. Uh, and I, and I really put myself out there. But there is a part of me that's always afraid that like people seeing the real me, which I, I am myself to a T now and I don't, I don't shy away. People seeing the real me, they're not going to like it. And then no one's going to want to be my friend and everyone hates me. Like if that makes sense a little bit. No, no of course, that, that, that is entirely makes sense. And it is it entirely kind of my experience with it as well. And it's one of those things where, you know, again, in terms of everything making sense, it's like, oh, why? Am I, where, where did I develop the skills to be funny? Part of that was like trying to trick people into staying in my, my yeah. social circle, you know what I mean? Like giving people infinite candy to hang out with me. Like I would make myself, because a lot of my humor is self-deprecating as well. Like, and mm-hmm. I, so I'd make myself the butt of the joke yeah. and be like, hey guys, come hang out with me. Feel good about yourselves. I'm being funny. And that was purely like, please like me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say mean things about myself. So no one else will, because if you take that power away from them, like this is how my brain worked. If I take that power away from them, then I don't have to know what they truly think. And then, and then we're all laughing at me now and they can't say shit, you know? So like, that's kind of like, I, yeah, like I always like felt like I was the girl at the party that you talked to. You wouldn't talk to me first. I'm not, I'm not conventionally pretty. Like I would tell me things like things that, things that are maybe not true. I had this motto that I was always feeling like forever Jan Brady, like Marsha, 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 forever Jan Brady, always the, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. So like when I met my husband, like I didn't think I deserved him at all at all. And he saw me for the real me and was like, holy cool. Holy cow. You're like really cool. And I don't want to change a single thing about you. And I was like, that's weird because dating is awful. And, and, and like, it's like scraping the bottom of the barrel. Um, that's what dating apps are. It's just like swiping. It's like swiping and scraping like the the worst people. That's where they are (laughs) dating apps. Um, and I've been with my husband for four years now and I met him through apps um, but, but he's, he's a lovely, lovely, lovely human. And I, I, I mean, I, I truly can't thank my, thank him enough for, 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 you know, one dealing with me and two encouraging me always to just be, do things that make me happy and like be myself. But regardless, like in terms of friends and, and stuff, I used to be funny just to like keep them there. And now it's like, honestly, I don't need to be around people that like, don't make me feel good about myself. Yeah, because one, it's a pandemic, and two, 
like there's no point in keeping people around that inherently when you leave them, you wonder if they actually do like you. And same yeah. goes for careers. Like, so, I mean, I, 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 I'm, I, I can relate so much to what you're saying is, is the point. Yeah, it is interesting as well. Uh, two things on, on uh, I guess, stuff you were saying then and earlier. You, you mentioned like being in advertising. I, I equally, like that's where I spent my early years. And it is the wrong place for anybody with imposter syndrome. Oh, yes. They are so health. clicky. And not just so clicky. Like it, in, in, in most jobs, you get some level of routine and repeatability. Whereas advertising is like exam day every mm, week, mm-hmm. right? You've always got a new pitch to churn out. It's always a new client. You're always proving yourself and you're always only as good as the last idea. There is no rhythm that you can get into. There's no stability that you can cling to to go, You're okay. so right. You are so right. Oh my gosh. Why did I pick a career like this then? <laughs> it is insufferable. It is so shit for anybody oh with God, fragile yes. magic as an adult. Yes, I would um, say, yeah, yeah. And then in terms of like the, the making, like being around people who make you feel good and, and, and using humor for, for that sort of thing. One of the interesting things I've found as well is like, again, you, you mentioned no, nobody prepares you for life in corporate, right? Mm-hmm. And that's one of those weird things in that I've always been a bit flitty and a bit, um, I, I don't know, it's socially a bit more open and honest and I, I don't do um, formal well. It just doesn't sit good on me and it's, it's hard. And so that's one of the, again, in terms of those learned social skills that, that you kind of get around it is sense of, like using a sense of humor is a great way to say things are making you uncomfortable in such a way that gives people permission to laugh it off. But actually you mean that, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like if your boss says something hurtful to you and you know, you can't be the person going, hey, actually that hurt my feelings because you don't feel like you have the confidence or the voice or the power. It's easier to joke about maybe, imagine if I was the person who took offense to that when actually fuck that hurt, you know? Oh yeah. I, I had a couple of, I had a mentor at my first agency. So I interned, I was a media intern and he pulled me aside before I, before I had my first ever job interview with that, with that advertising agency at my first internship. And he said, Bianca, I just gotta be honest with you. You dress like a child in your, and he, and he said that basically those toxic words of dress for the job you want, not the job you have. And I, I am a broke ass college student who is not being paid. And you want me to get a full ass business casual wardrobe when I was literally just in college where I can't afford it. Like, okay. So that like stuck with me. And then that made me concerned. And then I had this boyfriend once, um, off and on Brian and he, and he, he told me I dress, he, he didn't like the way I dress. I dress in a way that makes him feel embarrassed. Cause he was 11 years older than me. Um, and so, uh, I took those two things and I wore it like a cloak of shame, right? Like you, you take criticism, like you take criticism that hurts you harder. Um, and so then I had a boss, uh, after that, um, and he told me I should be where like I was myself and I was getting along with the creatives at this advertising agency that I didn't really feel like I fit in at because everyone's too cool and everyone's, you know, so creative and out there and you're constantly, it's competition. It's, it's a rat race. Cause you're trying to keep your job. So if the client goes away, you're trying to keep that job. Uh, you want to be on everyone's good graces. So inevitably people stab each other in the back to get ahead. Um, this boss in particular did that and no one liked him. 
And so I was working under him and he made me uncomfortable all of the time with comments he would make about things I would wear, things I would do. And then one day he pulled me aside in his office and he was like, you need to be wary of people's perceptions of you because it's impacting me. All because the creatives wanted to eat lunch with me and they don't like him. And that huh. stuck with me that I was like, oh, like I make you look bad. Like I should just be quiet and demure in the corner. And then ultimately I got another job and I moved on and stuff. And, but, but, but the thing is, is that corporate tries to take away and, and military does this. And it's, it's, it's just pretty much anything that gives you money. Yeah. That's not a creative or entertainment role, but even so that's tough to say anything that gives you money, uh, they will try and shape you into what they want. So therefore the, the product is always not always the same, especially not in advertising, but, but so that, 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 the, that the image on the outside looks good. Um, so for me, it's like, I was told in the corporate that being myself was not the way to go. And now I, I, like, I dress like Miss Frizzle and Lisa Frank fucked and had me. And that's, and that's <laughs> like, I literally, I couldn't give a shit. And I don't want to work for a place that says that would ever come at me for wearing a power line t-shirt from a goofy movie or, or that I have tattoos. Like, fuck you, get fucked. I don't ever want to do that again. And so, um, I think I've earned my right to kind of say that and, and do that. <laughs> Yeah, and in terms of the first question you asked, or one of the first, in, that like, uh, do you think you've got it all figured out? That's kind of one of the reasons, like, I feel okay about stuff now, is that, like, so I, I think one of the things you, you kind of learn as you get, is personalities are not productive, and if companies could, oh, everything would be robots. They can't wait for it to be robots, because <laughs> personality and people... Uh, to them, at the end of the day, companies are soulless uh, productivity machines that are there to make money and they don't give a fuck no matter how much they try, or most of them anyway. Um, and so that is one of the things that as I've got older, I've realized is like, I don't need to feel guilty. I don't like the company and the job and the people above me, they make more money than I do to be judging whether or not I'm good enough at this job. I don't need to be judging that, doing their job for them, because at the end of the day, if, if, if what I was doing didn't make sense to them, if they didn't think it was making them shitloads more money than I am getting, then I wouldn't be here. And so like to try and stop the questioning that way, because, you know, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, yeah. Well, I mean, it, unfortunately it's, it's, it's grow Like you touched on that. It's like, it's you, how you learn it over time. Uh, something beautiful about leaving my twenties was that like, people told me like, oh, your thirties are going to be like a great introspective time. And they actually have been like, I've learned, I've learned that it doesn't really matter because like everyone's so competitive in their twenties. It's like, I got to get married. I got to house and 2.5 kids. And I got to like yeet myself to my top of my career and all this, that, and the other. And then you get to your thirties and you're like, like, what's the fuck? Like, who cares? Like, yeah. you don't, you don't keep people in like, at least, at least for me. And I don't know. I mean, I'm, I, I have talked to people about it. So I know that a lot of people have agreed with me. I don't know if it's the general consensus, but as you age and you learn what matters and what doesn't matter, you realize you wasted time and energy on things that really sucked your soul dry. And so like being able to realize that it's okay for me to be myself was a big aha moment of like, oh, like I actually attract the kinds of things I want because I am myself. 
and I was told my whole life that that like I was too loud and boisterous and Bianca's chatty and like I've always I've always had negative experiences with being myself which ultimately put me into a box but then I realized that none of those things where I was myself and I came to the table as myself and I got in trouble for being myself none of those things are in my life anymore because they weren't the right fit yeah yeah uh, and I'm exactly the same experience like to, to be fair like I symbolically kind of sort that out when I turned 30 I I left my my advertising job I left my girlfriend of 10 years at the time and I moved from Australia to the UK where I knew no one it was to be honest it was quite a deliberate like I want to be forced to opt into everything again. Kind of like, you know, I don't know if you've ever got to the point where your email um, inbox is too flooded and, and you go, oh fuck, how nice would it be to just start a fresh new email address when <laughs> nobody has it and I can just give it out again. And I kind of did that for my life where I was just like, I want to be forced to opt into everything again. Um, yeah. And I did that at 30. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I always tell people like, uh, something that I've, I've realized is that like some people are totally fine with like the status quo and they don't leave the town that they're from and they like they're they're just happy that's that's all they ever will want and that's not me I'm an adventure seeker I seek out things and meeting my husband he was like because uh, I was thinking about moving out of Denver which is where I, I, I a majority of my adult life was spent about nine years after college in Colorado I was in Colorado for 19 years I moved there when I was 10 um, and so I always thought Denver was everything for me, but I was outgrowing Denver. Like my, my, I was, I kept laterally transferring, laterally transferring and nothing was like sticking, but I was getting better opportunities. Like other States were wanting me. And so I was like, okay, well, like, I, I think it's time for me to move. I think I'm ready to go. Like, I think I, I think I've outgrown this, this situation. I've outgrown it. And, uh, my husband was like, you got us. He's like, you know, if you, <laughs> give me two years and, you know, give it two, two more years here and do whatever you need to do. And, and then we'll go to the next duty station. So, you know, in the military for, for Navy, at least where my husband's at in his career, um, we're either on two, two year or three year billets and we're heading to Hawaii next because, um, life is so hard for us. And, uh, <laughs> and we live in San Diego currently. And so, um, but that's the thing, like, it's like a fresh start. And you can be whoever the fuck you want when you leave. And so I decided to be myself when we moved to San Diego, but now I'm fully myself and I don't apologize for anyone or anything. Um, and, uh, and I'm proud of it. And I'm, I'm, I think, I think you have to get to a point where, where it's okay. Like, like it's okay. And you don't, I'm like, I'm not going to apologize for who I am anymore. Like, I don't know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a, one of those like women's March pussy hat things, but I, I truly feel like I just have no reason to apologize for who I am. Like I am who I am. And like, I've been with me, I've been with me for 32 years, but now I love me. So like take it or leave it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's super cool. And something I'm still slightly envious of. I still think almost like, uh, do you know what? I feel like I, overcompensate a lot I feel like my natural state is slightly like timid and wrapped in like oh I'm sorry can uh -huh. I please say this and then what will happen is I'll have periods where that frustrates me and I feel like I'm not articulating and blah blah, blah. and then I'll come out like all guns blazing and too strong and people will be like and also like I guess people react 
to their expectation of what you're going to be like. And so if you're usually a bit timid or a bit apologetic, and then all of a sudden you're like, blah, 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 then they're like, who the fuck is that guy? Can you please not? Um, so I'm still working on yeah. that side of it. Just, yeah, just so you know, it's not like I wake up every day and like look in the mirror and go, yeah, you're the shit. No, not at all. I, I struggle when I, when I, when I say this confidently today, it's a good day. Um, cause having this conversation with you, it's a delight. So I feel <laughs> like we can yin and yang, but when it's yeah. like, when it's like a day where I'm talking to some like life coach, which I, I need to stop bragging on you to my listeners. I love you guys, but if you're a life coach, please don't contact me. Please don't. <laughs> I don't want to interview you anymore. I love you, but no, like, please be interesting. Not, not to say that my life coaches who have been on my podcast are not interesting. It's just, why are you all always in my inbox? <laughs> yeah. Um, I want comedians. I want, I want drag queens. I want entertainers, but I also want just the regular Joes in advertising. I want, but, and, and ultimately I just don't want to like find journey and success with your Instagram posts. I'm so sorry. <laughs> wow. I'm never going to, they're never the, the, oh my God. And the, 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 it's going to basically the pot, like the, the pandemic's going to end. And then the only people left are, that are going to want to be on either of our podcasts are going to be life coaches. That's it. Bianca, that, that is, that is what I was just about to say when you're like, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I'm never going to get another life coach. There is one thing that is true of podcasting is there will always be a life coach who wants to be on your podcast. Thank you, matchmaker.fm. I literally, I, and I've interviewed some really interesting ones, but the thing is, is like, you talk to one, you kind of talk to all of them because they all have the same path into life coaching. Yeah. Like yeah. they had something happen that was like, oh, I, well, I started doing, I started consulting and now and I, I apologize to anyone who was offended by this. And if you're thinking about sending me a message, do please pitch to me. I, I promise that I will let this go, but I, I'm at a point where I have to close off my interviews because I'm moving. And it's, it's such a point of privilege to be at that point where I like, I can be choosy, but also I'm yeah. like, just like you terrified that like, it's going to dry up. And then I'm never going to have anyone to talk to again, except for <laughs> LCs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, okay. So I, I feel like, uh, you know, uh, we've, we've touched on imposter syndrome. What does success look like to you? And do you feel successful? So I have scaled this to be, um, like, I, I guess one of the things that I did when I was, uh, learning how to deal with anxiety was to learn how to scale success down in a way that could always be easily achievable without burning out because I think that is one of the things that once I started working on my mental health um, and actually started committing to things then there was this this whole rush of things going well and wanting to take advantage of that well what before again I guess kind of the imposter syndrome coming around again a different way was that like once I started having success and getting my teeth into things I wanted to take advantage of it before it was all taken away again. Um, and so there was a real significant risk of burnout. So for me now, success is just like, if I can do the things that I enjoy and I can have stability and I can do them in a way that is repeatable and sustainable and has a continual path to improvement, I'm not, you know, I don't want to be somebody who's jogging on the spot but I don't want to be somebody who's constantly so afraid of not being successful that I can't do anything else or burn out or can't enjoy anything else. 
So, yeah, yeah. I get you. Yeah. I so, love that. I, yeah. Oh, go, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. I was just going to say. So the one thing I do in terms of success, it looks different every year. Every year I go, what did I do? So I've got like mm -hmm. five things like comedy, relationship, da, da, da. And every year I'm like, what was my big achievement last year? Did I reach it? Didn't I? And then what would one step better than that be? <coughs> oh, cough. Um, but then uh, what would one step better than that be? And then that's that success for that year. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I don't, um, I don't set resolutions. I set intentions. And I also like, I've been trying to practice gratitude every day and like being grateful for the things I have, especially in these times where it's so easy to be like my freedoms, but also like looking at like what you do have. Like, so for me, like conventionally on paper probably look very successful. I mean, we own a home in California. It's expensive as fuck here, but um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I'm married. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. I feel successful in my marriage. I feel successful in being a military spouse. I feel success. I don't know. I feel partially successful podcasting, but I do know that my podcast is cool. I mean, I get to talk to cool people like you and life coaches. Uh, and so, uh, <laughs> welcome to imposter syndrome where only I ever only interview life coaches. <laughs> That should be my motto. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, I like that because I think like you have to kind of like take a step back and like look at your rap sheet of the year of like, what did you achieve? And it's easy to diminish our own accomplishments. It's easy to like be like, oh, like that was nothing. And like, it wasn't a big deal, blah, blah, blah. But but overall, I mean, I, I like that. I like defining it like that. I mean, some people define success like money and stuff, but is money going to make you happy? Maybe it'll make you feel a little more comfortable, but is it going to make you happy? Probably not. Um, and I think, yeah. Like those big intangible arbitrary goals, the problem with them, in my opinion anyway, and this is, this is me very much uh, overcompensating for the, the occasional like, oh, I'm sorry, and, and making absolute broad brush statements that can't possibly be true for everyone. But my experience of those big um, broad brush goals of like, oh, I want a million dollars or I want to reach this job title or blah, 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 mm -hmm. is you set them usually people only set those kind of really hard goals when they're so far away from them that there's a lot of work to get there. And a lot of people on the path to getting there will have red flags that go, hey, maybe this goal won't make you happy. But if you're only focused on that goal, you're kind of going to ignore those red flags. And so that's why I like small goals so that I can be like, okay, was this goal making me happy? Cool. I can keep having goals like this. Did it not make me happy? Okay, I'll move my goal. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's a good way to like, look at things too, because I mean, you just got to like, keep adjusting the goalpost. So I think you and I have touched on the topic at hand, which is of course, imposter syndrome. Now we get to get to the part of my episode every time. That's my favorite because it helps me learn how my guests brain work, brains work, brain, brains work. Um, so I love to talk about fanaticals and, um, yeah, I, uh, I I always talk about the same things. Uh, so I'm not going to say what I'm fanatical about right now. I'm just, yay, life, I guess. Uh, but uh, what what is one or a few things you're fanatical about and why? So I, I have two. Um, I love learning for learning's sake. Um, I So I love just trying to, do you know what? I don't like reading academic papers but I love getting somebody who understands them to explain them to me in language I'll understand. Because um, I think it's so cool. Again, in terms of like macro and micro and how difficult that can be, 
there's been some sucky stuff and people are doing some sucky stuff at the moment. But actually, in terms of our understanding of all of the big picture mysteries and uh, both space and on Earth and like present, future, past, archaeology, astronomy, uh, quantum physics, all of these things, they are all progressing so fast. And our understanding of the world and everything in it is kind of like this jigsaw puzzle that is getting new pieces every day. And I think that is fascinating. And it, I want to be immersed in as much of that as I can in terms of like, I would love to have like the broadest, because I guess you can't know, to, to know the most up-to-date things on any one topic kind of almost has to happen at exclusion. I don't want that. I want like the all-you-can-eat smorgasbord of knowledge, you know what I mean? Like I, I just want little bits and pieces, but I, I find that fascinating and I, I love that. And then I guess the other, the other, the second one is comedy. I do think there is something really cool about being able to, when it's legal, get on stage and the audacity of going, okay, what I've got to say is so important that you all need to shut up, face me, light to rock. I get one light and my voice is louder than all of you. And then I'm going to make you laugh. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's so misguided. But then when it goes right, it's amazing. And it's such a cool way to share ideas. And at least for me, like introduce things that I'm anxious about and, and kind of take some of the, the negative um, thoughts that fueled comedy in a social setting and actually make that empowering and something that I can share with people. Yeah, I, I absolutely, I love that. I love that. Um, and I, I can relate. I'm fanatical about people being able to listen to my podcast, but just hearing what I have to say and them resonating with it like that, that to me is uh, the greatest gift of all. And, and like, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that you can get on that stage soon. It seems like as we start to clear out vaccines and we start to, you know, get more vaccinated, that things are slowly opening up. That's a new normal, a different normal, of course. Um, but that, uh, you know, you get to do that. And then also with learning, I mean, I, like, I had this, I have a saying that like, no one's bad at bar trivia. Like no one's bad at bar trivia because we're all, our brains are all spongy and full of useless knowledge. I am a useless knowledge fat queen. I remember stupid things all the time. That's ADHD in a nutshell for me. But honestly, like I, I like to learn too, um, if it's interesting to me, if it's not interesting to me, this is what was so hard about school, especially having ADHD is like, but if I didn't find it interesting, mm -mm. like, I didn't want to know about it. Like, yeah. Like yeah. just bore, if it was boring to me, it was a barrier to entry. So I, I love, I love both those things. And I think like, especially in this time, you might as well learn everything you need to know. One from the comedic standpoint, you learn something, it's a fun fact, it's hilarious. You can put it, you can make a joke about it for you personally. And then also it's nice to have that information and to kind of like learn as you go. Yeah, yeah. And every little bit of thing you learn to understand helps you understand something else at some point and you don't know when or where but it's 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 like it's like a good movie or a good book where they set you up with a bit of information and then later down the track you're like ah that's why he's got the book he's got the book or whatever um mm -hmm. i think having having facts is like that as well like you never know 
when they're going to come in handy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, unpopular opinions, you know, like they're kind of like buttholes, everyone has one. Uh, and I always say, as long as the unpopular opinion is not, you know, hateful, e.g. racist or homophobic, then I'm okay uh, with you sharing it. Um, 99% of the time, I'll usually agree with you. Although yes, like two weeks ago, I recorded with someone and he said that he doesn't like understand cheese and I, I couldn't wrap my brain around it. But uh, I, I always use the example of cantaloupe as trash, but I do have an unpopular opinion today because it is as at the time of recording this um, for frame of reference today is uh, trans uh, visibility day. And I have a lot of transgender friends. And as a podcaster, I've shared a lot of inclusive podcasts. Um, I've shared a lot of inclusive episodes um, and a lot of transgendered voices. Um, and so um, trans lives matter. And that seems to be an unpopular opinion. And I think that gender is a construct and it's societally placed into people. And if you want to be a boy or a girl and you're in a different body, then you should be allowed to do so. And you shouldn't be fucking murdered for being who the fuck you are. Thank you. I mean, the fact the fact that that's an unpopular opinion is so shit. I remember, and and it is unpopular. I'm not at all doubting that. I remember at Edinburgh Fringe the the first year I went, um, which Edinburgh Fringe is like. I, I've always described it as like if everybody who was going to run away and join the circus did, and they started a city, it's Edinburgh Fringe, right? And the first <laughs> year. Oh, sorry, Wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's a town called Edinburgh French. Where Edinburgh is, this? is. Where is it? Oh, sorry. Oh. No. So Edinburgh is the oh, okay. capital city of Scotland. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. They have the biggest arts festival in the world. Ah, got you. Got you. Fringe. And okay. so for one month, it's like I believe it is fifty thousand performers in the town that month. Um. So it is. It's like, it's so good. You, you have to go once. Like, it's so amazing. Yeah. But but the first year I was performing there um, was the first year that they introduced gender neutral toilets. And the amount of backlash they had from performers. And it's like, dude, like, you're not people who aren't exposed to this. Like, most of you have a trans friend or at least have had to share a bill with someone and had the opportunity to get to know them as a person as opposed to as a far off scary concept the the fact that any of you have a complaint about this is and, and that I mean the fact that yeah like I think artists and performers and, and people who who are privileged enough to live that life should not um the the the, the idea that you could be exposed to everything that, that we get exposed to and still have that kind of bigotry and hatred in your heart is depressing. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. And right now with all of this race, racism toward uh, Asian people, it's awful. And it's not just in America because usually I will, cl I'll claim it when we're being a crock with socks. Like I'll claim it. I'll be like, it's an America thing. No, it's worldwide. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just awful. I, honestly, like, it's like, it's like, how are we so advanced in technology and so advanced as 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 beings right like how are we you know we're the smartest things on the we're the smartest mammals on the planet and sometimes that's debatable how are we this stupid about things and ignorant and willfully it goes back to the insurrection it's like willfully confidently that hateful um I, I i will never be able to wrap my brain around it it just makes me louder and more angry and it makes me want to protect my friends because um, you know, I, I, I shared, um, at the time of recording this, like this will release this following Monday, I recorded with my friend Courtney 
And she talks about dating as a trans black woman and how, um, you know, being trans, it made her visible, but then also like, she has to like be worried about like walking on the street or like tell disclosing that she's trans um, because she has to worry about like whether or not she's passing, which first of all, she does pass. She's, she's very, very gorgeous, very gorgeous human, but it's like, can we just let them live? Like, just can we just like we're allowed to live no one bugs us so can we just let the everyone um live just live their lives and stay the fuck out of it like whose business is that (laughs) controversial opinion (laughs) yeah well that's my podcast bye i'm just kidding (laughs) um but anyway what are what are some one or a few of your unpopular opinions i love that these are going to be like pg rated and and mine's like a blah like (laughs) get fucked (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mine is just uh tertiary education is overrated and uh where economically possible a gap year should be mandatory yeah don't all of you you australians down under there don't all of you um uh do you if you well i don't not all of you do it but i feel like i'm always hearing about gap year gap year gap year i, I feel like that's pretty common in the uk and in, in australia and i think canada but definitely you hear about it more from like Australians, like I'm gonna go to Thailand and like raise elephants. And you're like, well, okay, bye Karen. <laughs> I, I think it's actually bigger in the UK as far as I can tell because of the access to Europe. Mm-hmm. I think in Australia, maybe, maybe younger people are getting better at it. But when, at least when I was at high school, the, the problem is right, is that high schools still get judged on the scores of the students. And so to motivate the students, they need the students to believe that tertiary education is the be all and end all. Um, and so the idea of taking a year out to figure out whether tertiary education was for me or not was never presented to me as an idea that I could explore. It was, mm. you need to get this great score to get into this great degree or otherwise, what is even the point of you sort of thing, like quite literally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah it was literally made feel like at 18 if you didn't get the right score and get into the right degree then your life was ruined um oh, yeah so yeah I, I think I think um maybe I hope it's got better now but back when I was at school it certainly wasn't yeah. a thing that was encouraged or discussed yeah I mean the U.S. is the same way it's like all right colleges and you're like but I don't want to and they're like well that's the only option oh you don't have money here's a bunch of debt like it's really like they push for the same thing um and um you know I don't know what kind of person I would have been if I if they'd given me other options maybe I wouldn't have gone to college or maybe I would have done something different I don't know what I would have done and um my parents were always like school, 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 school's your job, school's your good job, get a degree, get a degree. And then after that words, it was like, find the right person, get married, find the right person, get married, get out of her hair, get out of her hair. And then I did that. And then they're like, bye. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so that, that, yep, that's, that's my whole life that I'm going to write the book. It's one chapter. And it's just that sentence right there. I don't um, know if that's a yeah. book or a tweet. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to have Twitter. I used to have Twitter. Um, and there was a, tw- there's a trend on TikTok that I, that I, that I did, uh, cause I used to have Twitter and then I had an ex-boyfriend from, uh, from the Newcastle UK and he would four square check me in everywhere when he was visiting me. So like when I would Google my name, he would show up and I was like, Ugh, I'm just going to delete my Twitter. <laughs> so yeah, I did, I did. And I had so many followers and I was like, if I tweeted a celebrity, they'd tweet me back. Like that was like, cause I, they look at my follower count and they, and so not, it's not a flex and I'm trying not to brag, but I was cool in the uh, 2011 to 2014 range. 
uh, and then I broke up with him. Uh, but, but, um, uh, I, so this TikTok trend was going around and, and, and this is totally off topic, but, uh, it was like, what's one, like, what's one celebrity that has you blocked. Okay. Which I feel like I start to, I need to start asking this question, but then again, not everyone could, would have an answer for it. So I read the book series, 50 shades of gray. Um, I, would also like to uh, tell my listeners and your, and you, as you hear this story that I illegally downloaded it as a PDF and read it. So I didn't even pay money <laughs> for it because no one should pay money for it. Uh, and it's a terrible book and book series. And it was very hard to read. She used the word sardonically so many times and so and you could just say sarcastically you could just say sarcasm not sar whatever right okay so i'm reading this book and i'm like this is just awful first of all um like it takes three books for her to like lose her anal virginity i mean it's just so stupid uh any and so it's just dumb and i'm like this is not even what i know bdsm and that like lifestyle to be like i'm not that i'm an expert but i i in any research and anything i've read in cosmopolitan that is not right it, whatever so i hated it is, is the point. I hated it. And uh, so I tweeted her. So I tweeted the following um, at EL. Okay. I wish I could men in black erase the 50 shades of gray series from my brain at EL James. That was terrible. <laughs> and she tweeted me back because in my profile, all it said, this is such, this is, the, this Sorry, is the, I'm having trouble here. really Siri. Fuck you. Sorry, excuse me. Um, <laughs> my, my watch was like, what? Um, so, so she tweets me back because in my in my bio, my Twitter bio, because back that back in the day then it was like 140 characters or 20 characters maximum you could have. So you had to figure out what you could say about yourself in 120 character characters. And so I Jan braided myself and I was like, pretty forgettable. <laughs> that was my profile. So pretty forgettable. <laughs> And so she like looks at that. She goes, yeah, pretty forgettable. No one will care when you die. So maybe you should do that. And then blocked me. <laughs> Jesus fucking This Christ. woman like made so much money from this book series. And, and I like offended her because I didn't like it, which is such a flex EL James. So I forgot about this. And so I did a TikTok on it. Right. And I forgot about it. And uh, I remember, and I was like, oh my gosh. And so I posted the TikTok and people were like, holy cow, like that's hilarious, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like thinking about it. Cause I have like a, I have a joke that I have like a, like, like I, like I want to have a funny will. Like I want to have things in my will that are hilarious. And one of them, like I, I originally I was thinking like, I wouldn't want a funeral. This is morbid. I wouldn't want a funeral, but now I'm thinking that I do. And I just want her to give my eulogy. Like I want E.L. James, like I want her to still be alive. So that means I have to die before she, before she does. And she's in her forties. So, and I'm in my thirties. So I don't know. We'll see. But I, I want her to speak at my funeral. Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I just think it would be so funny. <laughs> Do you know what you need? You need people who can make that happen for you. But on top of that, don't tell her this. So Maybe you'll have to edit this out so she keeps a surprise. Maybe there's a way you can block her from hearing this oh, podcast. Oh, I like but to think that she's she she she'll she's never listening to this unless I was to physically tag her in it and then she'd just tell me to die again and block me. What I think would be great is if she came to do the eulogy and then there was an Oprah moment where the minute she finished, everybody looks under their chairs and they've got a framed photo of that tweet just so she has to walk past the room full of mourning people 
who have to like and face that she has said that to somebody's loved ones like do you oh know what I mean like God. actually have to face the consequences of that and I want her to Oprah it back and go and you get a block and you get a block <laughs> right like I want them to I want it to be like a drag show where they're throwing dollars like at the yeah. performer and they're just throwing tweets at her and she's blocking like crazy oh yes oh yes and then everyone gets a car we're writing it in that's so good I appreciate that Oh my goodness. Well, we're coming down to the close. You are hilarious, my friend. You're on my radar now. And like I said, I'm going to connect you to some people that I think would be really great options for you to have on your podcast. Um, but uh, that leads, that segues perfectly into the last piece as we wind down. Mm, bummer. <laughs> uh, it, what would you like to promote? Uh, so yeah, my podcast, it's a highbrow drivel. Um, every week, I invite one of my friends from Stand Up Comedy and we interview a different academic. So like I said, I like having people explain smart stuff to me in a way that I can understand without having to work too hard. So essentially it's, it's a great opportunity for me to do that. We just kind of be like, yeah, yeah, that whole uh, wormhole thing, what's that about? Nah, nah, <laughs> that's way too smart, make it dumber. Um, oh, I love yeah. it. I love it, explain like I'm five, but then like funny. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly explain it like i'm five and i'm drunk and creative it's a weird mix oh yeah like well for me like i i i love this concept i can't wait to i can't wait to listen in um that sounds like something i'm gonna enjoy because I, I whenever i take a road trip i listen to podcasts and uh narcissistically i listen to my own just to make sure that it doesn't sound stupid and then i and then I hype myself up, but usually those are an hour and then I'm usually on the road going to my in-laws for longer. So I like to have something funny in the background. So, I, so I'll add you to the rotation because that sounds amazing. Um, but uh, I agree, uh, explain it like I'm five and then explain it like I'm five and drunk. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> uh, I love it. Well, Anthony, this has been just an utter delight. And to my listeners, as always, all of this stuff will be in the description. Um, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time, reaching out to me, wanting to be on the podcast, not being a life coach, all of those things, giving me more funeral <laughs> ideas, helping people feel less alone, maybe more excited to get into comedy. Um, and so, of course, my listeners, all the links will be in the description. Uh, and as we close out this podcast, this is, of course, Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. Thank you so much to my guest, Anthony. And I, if you like this podcast, tell a friend subscribe give me a five on apple that'd be nice uh or go to my website please don't kick me out.com send me a little email if you're not a life coach and uh give me your bio uh and your pitch and we can maybe have you as a guest if you really want to be on a guest i say there's no boring person um and then also buy my merch please don't kick me out.com slash shop uh anthony thank you so much i hope you have a lovely rest of your day and we will speak soon Thanks for having me. This has been so fun. Take care. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Hey, weirdos. I want to share something with you I've been doing for a couple of months now. It is called Forbidden Bingo with my friend, DJ Rockstar Aaron. We are both from Denver. Uh, great human something that they put on virtually out of the kindness of their heart every week. And I'm just going to start by saying it's 18 plus, just so you know, um, but it's Forbidden Bingo. Forbidden Bingo is so much fun. You can play it in person if you live in Colorado or if it plays other places, or you can play it virtually online every Thursday at 
7 p.m. Pacific. Wow, I'm bad at time zones. But you know what? Just go to ForbiddenBingo.com, grab your tickets, and tell DJ Rockstar Aaron and Rich and all the other people that are playing that I sent you. That's ForbiddenBingo.com and unofficially, officially sponsors this podcast. Hey listeners, I wanted to share a special promotion for you from Dash of Pep. Dash of Pep is a clothing boutique that offers non-binary clothing that has fun prints that support mental health and empowering you to be your best self. In this pandemic, it is great to shop small and support small businesses like Dash of Pep. More than 50% of my wardrobe is from her adorable store. Robin at Dash of Pep has graciously given me a promo code for you to use at checkout. Use P-D-K-M-O to receive 15% off your order. Again, that is www.dash of pep.com and you can enter p-d-k-m-o at checkout to receive 15% off your order. This has been Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, like, comment, share, tell a friend. You know, that's how I'm going to keep these stories going. Also, if you want to be a podcast guest, you can reach out to me at pdkmopodcast at gmail.com and we can get it set up. Thanks everyone for your continued support. And I look forward to, you know, connecting with you again next Monday.